You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Akome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the Side Hustle Pro Podcast. I have a really exciting episode today. Today in the guest chair, we have Desiree Verdejo. She is the founder of Hyperskin. So as a Black woman with acne-prone skin who was subject to dark spots and hyperpigmentation, Desiree never really saw people who looked like her in the skin care space. So that's why she set out to create a simple, results-oriented, multicultural skincare brand that celebrates and offers products for everyone's skin in its various stages. So today she's here to talk about how she founded Hyperskin, how she's got into Sephora, um, and you'll be surprised by some of her answers in the lightning round. So make sure to listen to the whole episode, but let's go ahead and get right into it. First of all, I'm so glad we've been able to do this. You know, it's taken us a couple of tries, but it's okay. This is the right time for us (laughs) to speak. And I'm so excited to finally have you here. Um, I wanted to know a little bit more about your journey into beauty because I know you practiced law for, what was it, seven years? So what was your original career path? Yeah, so um, I've lived a few lives, I guess, but I was an attorney (laughs) in a past life. I practiced law in the finance area. For seven years, um, but I have always been in love with and drawn to the beauty industry. So um, my first beauty venture was actually that I owned a a boutique in Harlem in New York City. And that boutique um, was like a curation of indie beauty brands um, that spoke to women of color, people of color. So we had like skincare products, a lot of hair care you know, all of this sort of blossoming cosmetic brands. Um, And I owned that store for about a little more than three years. It was online and then in New York City. And in that space, I was moved to create what is now Hyperskin. So what exactly was it about what your customers were coming in and asking you that led you to start to think about developing a product? Yeah, well, it was two part. I mean, I myself have always dealt with acne prone skin. I've had acne since I was like 11. And that sort of led to some of my obsession and knowledge about skincare. Um, So I myself was dealing with like crazy breakouts at the time. At a particular time, I just had my daughter. And so the hormones were all over the place. And um, I think with our customers coming in every day, Um, dealing with, you know, um, acne scarring, razor bumps, just all of these concerns that we didn't really have solutions for. And I was at the Mm -hmm. time, you know, I'm really proud of like the curation we had at the time. There are so many more brands in, in the space, especially in the makeup arena and in skincare. But at the time, there were very few brands and we were really highlighting these beautifully done brands. But it was very hard to find skincare brands that were speaking to our customers' concerns. And what I realized talking to these, you know, people, mostly women that were walking into our boutique was that everyone has, everyone has these issues. I think for a long time, I thought like, I have this skin type, I have skin that's prone to hyperpigmentation. And what I realized is that we all have a lot in common and yet we're all sort of going to the beauty supply store or sort of concocting solutions 
to concerns that should be thoroughly addressed. And so that is what sort of moved me towards creating what is now Hyperskin. What was that process like in terms of timeline? Was it something that, you know, after a few people came in, you said, I'm doing this and you got to work? Or is it something that took you years to actually act on? It took me years, actually. It was um, it took me years to realize because my first instinct, because I, you know, very much believed in the boutique that I had and wanted to see that thrive. My first instinct was I'm not searching broadly enough for this solution. What's in Mm -hmm. Europe? What's here? You know, K-Beauty was like really big around the time that I... That's um, Korean beauty? Yeah, Korean beauty. So what's happening internationally um, that that our customers could be drawn to? Um, I was like focused on looking for the solution um, for myself and for my customers. I certainly was not focused on creating it. Um, A lot of what happened initially was very serendipitous i um Mm -hmm. in um one of the things about a boutique um and one of the challenges are the margins and and having a boutique um you're buying everyone's products and so you're you're selling it at this very high margin and so um we would create things like candles and you know sort of giftable items where our customer you know was excited to see that we created them and so i had set out to create a holiday (laughs) lipstick um <laughs> okay red it was like everyone was wearing red lips um purple lips it was like mac heroin and lip bar was one of the brands we carried in our store and they were just selling like hotcakes and we said we should create a holiday lip lip products and um and it's kind of funny coming from me because i'm i'm not a make i'm not like really a makeup girl but i know my customers and i knew what she wanted and that was you know, and I felt really comfortable that we could create this like limited edition product. And yeah. um, doing that, I um, learned about the manufacturing process, met some people, um, and still not at all planning to launch a skincare line. But um, simultaneously, I was dealing with my own skincare concerns and um, came across an ingredient that I love and that is in our recently launched um, face mask, um, menzelic acid. Um, it's, it's my favorite skincare ingredient. It is, um, an AHA. It's an exfoliating ingredient, kind of like glycolic. So, yeah. you know, gets rid of dead skin cells, clears the pores, really great for acne prone skin. It's anti-inflammatory. Um, so really great for a lot of the issues that skin of color deals with acne, razor bumps, etc. Um, so I found this ingredient and it's really wonderful for skin of color because it, it's not as harsh as a glycolic acid, it's a bit more gentle, so it takes a little more time, but overall is kind of the sort of product you want to have long-term. Um, these two things are completely unrelated. Um, so I know, <laughs> I know how I sound because this is how it came to me. I, I found this ingredient. I, we want to we hear that yeah, process. So you yeah, found the, completely the ingredient. Unrelated. Okay. I'm making lipstick. I find this ingredient and I'm like, why am I making lipstick? I'm not obsessed with lipstick. My customer loves a red lip but that's not what she needs. Our customer needs this thought. They, she needs solutions to her skincare concerns. She needs ingredients that are really like, she and he need ingredients that are really, really wonderful for 
for their skin type and their skin tone and their skin concerns. And so I was creating <laughs> this lipstick and I remember asking um, the person that I was working with that sort of introduced me to the manufacturing world. Um, yeah, I know we're doing this project for a holiday lip, but I want to create a mask. And she was like, get out of here, <laughs> get out of here, get go. That's not, you know, that's not, you know, it was summertime. And if we kind of move things along, it'd be right on time for holiday. And she was just like, what are you talking about? But that's really like how it all started. Um, wow. And even at that time, I was like, just focused on once I got into the manufacturing process, I, I still like had to sit back and think about the story behind the brand. Is this a continuation of our boutique or is this its own you know, entity? Is this its own being? Does this like live separate and apart from the boutique? And ultimately I decided like I couldn't do the other brands on the shelves justice because I became up like you just become obsessed with you your business with your baby. own yeah I yeah like, I was like if I carry other brands I will not do them justice because I just want to talk about this business and and this story and this need and these products and so ultimately decided to move away from the boutique um and to quickly which didn't didn't happen quickly but like I just quickly yeah. like launched a skincare line <laughs> that's so interesting that in having the boutique, you know, it not only led you to the idea, but then it also made you realize that, you know what, I need to hone in on my own products yeah. and I I need to move away from that. Was that scary? You know, this is a business idea that you talked to so many people about that you actually launched and now realizing that it has to come to an end. It was a lot of things. It was, I would say the, the first word that comes to mind is emotional um, mm. because um, the store was online but it also was in harlem it was in a community and it was very well supported by the harlem community the new york community um and so it was very emotional um mm. difficult but i felt like it was the right thing to do like i felt very strongly that this is what was missing and that a boutique like that needed successful brands for it to thrive. It needed a skincare brand like that. And so I also just, you know, knew I spent my days as a boutique um, owner, either searching for brands, you know, speaking to my customer base about products and brands and why they should support them, et cetera. Um, and then trying to like get as much press as possible, as much social media attention as possible for these brands. And, you know, I've seen, you know, major brands, Sephora has their in-house brand. A lot of, a lot of major retailers have their in-house brands, but I think when you're small, it's very hard to do both fairly. So it, it, it was very clear that like, that I had to make a decision and, um, I was just like super excited personally. And for that same audience, I realized this is speaking to the same audience. So I'm not, I'm not leaving you. Like we're here, we're still in this together, but like, we're gonna kind of pivot. It sounds like you were, since you were working with a manufacturer, you know, at that stage, at least you had done that hard work of figuring out how to find someone to develop an idea in your head. Um, was it difficult still? You know, like, did that manufacturer meet your needs in terms of this new product idea you had? Um, yeah, there still are a lot of challenges and I, they exist to this day. We're two years old. Um, we work with an amazing, um, manufacturer that is really talented when it comes to actives and, and knowledgeable yeah. about the ingredient mandelic acid and, you know, our, our 
Hero Product is a vitamin C serum. So really talented, mm-hmm. global. So they met our needs there. Um, what you probably hear from a lot of founders of indie brands, though, is that when a manufacturer is big, they deal with, you know, the brands that line the shelves of Target and Sephora. You're just like a little pea in the, you know, you're, you're a small <laughs> fish. So, right, right. Um, you know, it happens a little less now. It's, it's getting better, but I'm always sort of chasing my manufacturer down. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a challenge when you want to create skincare from a unique perspective, when you want to create formulas that, you know, aren't just what's on the market, but that that go beyond what's being offered. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to do when you're you're doing that, but you're also like, hey, can you just answer my call? I know you, you know, work with XYZ brands and they're ordering 20 times what I'm ordering, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're going to get there if we can actually, if we can actually connect. Yeah. So I think- I kind of need you. Yeah, I kind of need you. So I think that was a huge challenge before launch. I mean, it, it was it was impossible to communicate and it took a couple of years for us to get to final formulas, which now that's like a six month process when you are <laughs> sort of getting the attention you need and when you know the process. But yeah, that's a, a big challenge for indie brands. Thanks for sharing that, because I guess you kind of feel like once you have a manufacturer, you guys, you have your meetings and you get into a flow and everything like that. And you forget that, hey, they're not just going to be working with you unless you're like doing crazy scale or what have you. I also happened to launch during this global, you know, supply chain. Oh, did you? Yeah, <laughs> we launched. Um, we launched right before. Um, we launched in twenty nineteen. We launched in November, and okay. you know everything sort of went crazy in March, and so during that early period, um, you know, we were scrambling, but then bigger brands started to scramble when 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 everything changed, and so I think that was added to the challenges of our initial months. Um, So yeah, so that was part of it. So you launched in 2019 and now I see you in Sephora. How did that come about? Um, Yeah, we have some amazing retail partners and it happened little by little. Um, I'm gonna say Urban Outfitters was our first partner, Revolve. Um, Sephora, they reached out to us and at the same time we were paying attention to their Accelerate um, program and so applied to their program. And so we're just in conversations with them. I, at the time, set out to talk to all of the major retailers. I think sometimes people know exactly where their their brand fits, but we are, yep. I want to say first and foremost, we are an inclusive brand that centers multicultural customers. And we are massage. So we're at this middle price point, not completely very intentionally not luxury price points, but also not the lowest price point. And so because of that, I felt like we could live in Sephora, but we could possibly even live in a Target that I think does multicultural beauty very well, or an Ulta that is somewhere in the middle. And so we had the fortune of speaking to everyone and to buyers at each place. I hunted down (laughs) the buyers at Target (laughs) and got introductions to the buyers at Ulta and Sephora reached out to me. And I really, you know, just set out to have conversations with them about how they're growing multicultural beauty, how they're growing not Mm -hmm. only multicultural, but targeted beauty, because that's, you know, where we are in the clinical arena, how they're growing 
clinical brands that are not founded by um, doctors. So just really set mm-hmm. out to understand like where, how they're looking at skincare, specifically clinical skincare, specifically multicultural skincare. And I was just really excited with how they viewed our brands and how they were yeah. viewing those spaces going forward. Um, I was excited about the questions they were asking and the thoughts that they had surrounding those categories in our brand. And so ultimately decided that Sephora was a great partner for us based on that. And also I'm a Sephora girl. Like, like <laughs> I I think as someone that's always shopping for products that render results, I'm all about the reviews. Like I'm on Sephora looking at the reviews. And so that's my customer, like the customer that yep. appreciates before and afters, that appreciates reviews. You know, she loves packaging. She loves a cute name or, you know, an orange mm-hmm. poppy exclamation point. But at the end of the day, she's like, what are people saying about you know, yeah. this dark spot serum, this, this, um, exfoliating mask. And so it just felt like a good partnership. And, you know, it's interesting you say, um, Sephora was it, I chose them, but then they also chose you. So yeah, what about, yeah, what <laughs> now you, that, that is awesome. Congratulations. Thank like you. what did you, how did you position your product to make it attractive to a buyer? Yeah. You know, I think, um, I mean, Sephora is all about brand, um, brand story. They are very into founders. I think if you think of your favorite brands at Sephora, you can probably think of the name, maybe even the face of the founder. Um, they're all about communities, hyper. We're a small brand. We, you know, only have two products. We had one product for two years, but we have a really strong and supportive community that is really excited about Mm -hmm. what we're building and they definitely noticed that. And I definitely think they're drawn towards those sorts of brands. And I think they appreciated the vision for our brand overall. Like we are, this is where we are, but, you know, they understand our growth trajectory and our plan. And it's consistent with the way they're um, growing clinical skincare, growing multicultural skincare, looking at indie brands. And so it just, I think on their end, it, it felt like a good fit as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels it's it's been a great partnership. We just launched with them in September. So um, it's September only been, of 2020 or 2021? 2021. So it's okay. only been a, a few months, but um, it's it's been a very like well supported partnership. And I'm excited. It feels longer than that. It just feels <laughs> like so your hero product is hyper skin and it feels like it's been around forever <laughs> in yeah, terms no, of like it just <laughs> it, no, I know it, but it just feels like something that it, it's just, I don't know if it's the packaging or, you know, just how you came to market and it's just so well supported. It just comes off to me like just something that is just like that needs to be in your beauty arsenal. And yeah. that has it, it's just like, what are you doing if you don't have hyper skin? <laughs> I love that. I um, love that. And, and maybe it's because I'm tuned in to black women beauty influencers and I've yeah. heard this product talked about. So maybe as soon as you launched you you know you you outreach to influencers tell us more about that like what was your marketing process once you launched yeah and i love to talk about this because one thing i want to note is that for almost a full year i was hyper there was no team there was me and a digital consultant a marketing consultant so it was a very um scrappy but very strategic marketing plan and i built amazing relationships with editors and with influencers um through my boutique and they not only were excited about hyper, but like completely understood it. Um, this mm. like targeted brand for women of color that is like just based in like realness and results. So initially we were able to do a lot of 
Well, not a lot probably compared to larger brands, but as an indie brand, a lot of gifting we did and still continue to lean into UGC campaigns. Um, Mm. And just like communicating with our customer initially on social, just organic social, email, text messaging, um, you know, content marketing is huge for us. Just like staying in, staying in the conversation with our customer is a really big part of our, of our marketing. Yes. Um, of course, now as we've grown as a brand, our team has grown, we've grown through different paid channels, but we still very much lean into, um, into the UGC and into the organic and into the content. And um, mm. I think because of that, our customer feels more connected with us and feels like we've been around for a while. Yeah. Um, but we really are just a two-year-old company and have only had one product for so long. So it's it's funny to hear that. <laughs> and I also want to talk about the fact that you do have one product, a hero mm-hmm. product. Yeah. What was the strategy behind focusing on one rather than coming out with a whole suite for your face, like a hyperpigmentation wash and moisturizer? Tell us more about that thought process. Um, you know, it, if I'm being quite honest, it was two part. Part of it was just being scrappy and focusing uh-huh. on this result. We we tested the serum and some other products that we launched, like our mask, which just launched. Yeah, we tested that product with our like close knit community. And my friends and colleagues were like, when is this launching? Because I need more. Like they were giving me the content that like the before and afters and the reviews and asking for more. And it was so clear that, you know, we were like, you know, how should we like, which way should we go? And it was very clear, whatever you do, put this like serum into the market because like I need Mm -hmm. it. And so that was clearly like this results driven product that that really told the story that we wanted to tell. You know, we we focus on hyperpigmentation. We're all about results and like, you know, it can be beautiful and still effective. Um, so we started there to sort of share the story. We still are a self-funded brand. And so some of that was just based on resources. But as we've grown, um, the goal is to remain very like intentional and thoughtful mm-hmm. about the products we put out and the concerns that they address. So you will see launches from us. Um, we are growing. We are excited to speak to concerns beyond hyperpigmentation and to offer really effective and thoughtful products for those concerns. But our goal is not to like have 20 products by the end of the year. I think um, yeah. the skincare space is flooded. Customers are savvy. They don't want what they don't need. They want like our customer wants results. Our customer is like super savvy. She's tried a lot before she came to us. She knows the ingredients. She She's already overdone it because, you know, the solution <laughs> wasn't there. So she's already done yep. too much. And now she's like, what works? And so that's the customer that we're speaking to. And, and that's sort of our thought process is effective but balanced products, intentionally launched that speak to like true needs. Um, mm. So you will see still like a more thoughtful cadence from us. But we're, you know, moving away from the one product. <laughs> So guys, let's face it, the work world looks so much different than it ever has. Whether you're in person, remote, or in a closet like me, or somewhere in between, taking care of your team couldn't be more important. That's where Gusto comes in. 
Gusto's modern HR platform makes it easy to hire, pay, manage, and support your employees all in one system of record. That means no more jumping between applications and no more jumping through hoops. Your payroll, your benefits, your hiring and onboarding, team management tools, and so much more are all there for you in one convenient place. On top of that, Gusto provides actionable insights to inform decisions around workforce costing, competitive compensation, and employee engagement. So all those tough decisions you make each day just got a whole lot easier. And the best part? Listeners of Side Hustle Pro get three months of Gusto for free at gusto.com slash SHP. That's right. If you're ready to experience a new bar for HR, get three months free at gusto.com slash SHP. Gusto.com SHP. How did you go about building your team? Where did you start? Who did you focus on hiring first? What roles did you focus on hiring first? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So as a self-funded brand, I did a lot by myself when we first launched. I was everything. And then we had a digital marketing consultant who was amazing in helping us to really like exponentially grow Mm -hmm. our customer base, our revenues, et cetera. So um, in our first year, we really leaned into the social side of things, obviously that consultant, and then leaning into like a social media coordinator. We now have a social media manager and we have two people that work under her that are creating really awesome content. We um, did a brand refresh and have a really brilliant brand uh, manager that, you know, redesigned our website and um, our packaging and just like makes social media really fun and really makes great content um, for educational purposes and beyond. Um, and then on the other side of things, we have someone on a, that manages operations. Um, okay. And that's the side this year that we're really um, trying to beef up because as we grow, you know, with Sephora, as we grow with further products, offerings, the operation side is, is where we're really, and then just being like in a pandemic with so many concerns, like operations is where we really, so many things so, affecting I mean, the operations. So yeah. many things. It's really like the supply chain issues is something that I say every day and I hate the term, but I'm like always saying it. So yeah, so that's where we're focused now. And then we work with consultants as well. I mean, as a small company there, you know, we need to have flexibility. And then we're in an economy where people want to work remote and want to freelance because they like have so many things that they're working on. And so we work with freelancers for things like copywriting and, um, we work with an external accountants. And, um, so we do work with external parties as well to keep things like fluid and, and affordable and, and just kind of consistent with how people work these days. So you've mentioned that you are self-funded um, mm-hmm. and you've also mentioned that you are in Sephora, which we know. How do those two play into each other, you know, with a manufacturer who Horribly. is... Horribly. <laughs> Horribly. Okay, so... No, <laughs> and supply chain issues. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah no. Um, yeah. Be- being self-funded is a huge challenge. Um, I don't say it because I think it's like a badge of honor. I say it because yeah. it is what it is. But um, it's a challenge to be self-funded, especially with supply chain issues. I remember reaching out um, to a founder colleague 
um, who is funded and in Sephora. And I was like, how are you dealing with, you know, cause at the time we've been out of stock many times. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're a growing brand. So it's really sometimes hard to track demand. And then there are supply chain issues. And what did she tell me? Oh, we just like order six months of, of inventory. And I was like that, <laughs> that's, you know, may, could be a half a million dollars. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of, yeah. that's very expensive and not a solution, but thank you for that. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of challenges right now, um, in the business, in the beauty industry mm-hmm. that are even more pressing when, when you're a smaller brand and a self-funded brand. Um, Sephora is another expensive channel, but one, you know, one very much worth the investments, but we are, mm-hmm. I mentioned we've been there for months. We've grown month over month in that space. Um, and we've also grown month over month on our DTC, which is very intentional. And so when there's growth, when there's growth that, doesn't always track projections. Yeah, it's it's hard to plan for. It's hard to keep up. Sephora, you know, once their purchase orders addressed immediately, they also, you know, have a great model for introducing new brands. So they do a lot of things like sampling, et cetera. That's wonderful, but also very expensive. And there's no return. You know, there's a return, you know, overall, but it's not like when you sell something, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, when Sephora says we want samples, they don't want 500, they want 100,000. And so very expensive to That's be in a that lot. space. <laughs> it's a lot. And so, yeah, retail, we waited about six months before we even reached out to retail. Mm-hmm. And then even with Sephora, we started the conversations very early, but pushed back there are some founders that may have even pushed back beyond where we did because we launched in Sephora with just one product. We actually do incredible numbers on our one product, but for many people, it might not even be worthwhile to have that kind of retail partnership with only one product. And why is so, that? Just because? Because you're, it's an expensive investment, um, yeah. you know, and we're on .com right now. So there's investments in, you know, content, there's an investment in, in sampling, but when you go in store, which is something that I think, you know, I don't, I don't imagine one would do with one product, but then the investment just becomes greater because then you have physical spaces to manage and and market and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's always important. Like it looks great. These retail partnerships always look great, but you really do have to think about the cost. Um, yeah. Those. And that's what I'm always thinking about. Like there's a fulfillment promise now with that yeah. partnership. And yeah. and so when I hear you talking about the manufacturer, when I know the supply chain issues that are going on, I'm like, how are you doing this? And being self-funded. For those who, you know, we all start out self-funded. Do you have advice as far as how do you keep the lights on? I mean, um, are there grant programs or loan programs that you reached out to? Or are you just reinvesting, um, you know, all of the profits and not taking a salary right now? Yeah, so we we are, uh, I am taking a salary, but um, we are, <laughs> I am taking a salary. I will pay myself. Um, but we You're are reinvesting. You. We are reinvesting. Yeah. That is the name of our game. There are lots of grants. There are people that are better at applying for grants than I am. Um, there are also a lot of capital, not that we, we don't take advantage of all of them, but there yeah. are a lot of capital options in this space now. Um, I think it is sort of a, we're at the forefront of that in the startup arena. So, um, mm-hmm. options like settle come to mind. We, we use settle. Um, so what's settle? There, 
settle is like um it's basically like a loan very similar okay. to um a bank loan but then there are some modern modern features to it that make it more appealing to startup like mine um so there are some capital options i think you know, those are more available when you have a certain level of, of sales and revenues. I can't recall what that sort of entry point is, but um, that's been really beneficial to us because it just allows you to have access, you know, to, it allows cash flow to, to be higher. Um, so for mm-hmm. us, that's been where we are. And then, you know, we, we shall see, you know, what, what the future holds. But I do need to get better at grants because I know a lot of founders that are really able to... Um, fund their business in that avenue but it's very time consuming um yeah yeah so i realized that i i assumed profitability right and i know that these first few years are so much grind that's not always the case uh what has been your experience when it comes to that so i um am fortunate that we in our first year were profitable and so we have been able to reinvest profits back into the business i have been able to pay myself and i can say that um with a lot of appreciation because this is not my first business and with my boutique for example that was not my experience um i barely paid myself in our boot in the boutique that i had and so launching this business, my first expectation was that, and I didn't, I didn't pay myself for six months because I thought yeah. I couldn't. Um, oh, and I remember I brought on, um, cause I was like, I just have to reinvest everything. Like I want to put more into pay, more into this, more into that, more into, you know, everything. And I brought on an accountant. It was, you know, nearing the end of the year, um, Q3. And they looked at me and they were like, what are, what are you doing? Like what, <laughs> pay, pay yourself, hire some people like, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, great, done. Um, so, so yeah, you know, worked with them to, to figure out a salary and consistently um, mm-hmm. pay myself every pay period and, you know, advise everyone to do the same, even if it's a very, even if it's almost nothing to, you know, yeah. for me, obviously, um, being able to pay myself a salary um, feels really great, but also um, just having the paper trail of, of paying yes. myself is really important as someone that is a mom and, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, so many reasons why we, um, need to have that, that financial record. And sometimes we don't as, as founders, when we aren't running a business that's profitable. So, but yeah. yes, um, we, we've been really fortunate, um, that there has been enough demands that we have been profitable since, I don't want to say day one, but definitely year one. All right. So before we jump into the lightning round, um, mm-hmm. I would love to know what is next for Hyperskin? Um, well, you know, we just launched our second product after two years, our Ooh. Fade and Glow AHA mask. Um, super excited. I told you um, about my experience um, with mandelic acid and how I was really excited to formulate with it. So this is this is the mask um, that came out of um, sort of our initial trials with um, this mask. Is, I mean, it's come a long way. It's this yeah. mask is it's been in many phases, <laughs> but really excited about this version of the mask. Um, it is an exfoliating mask, so it's really great for you know brightening the skin. It's really great for clearing pores. If you have breakout prone skin or acne prone skin, razor bump prone skin, uh, mandelic acid is like a really anti-inflammatory ingredient. So I think a lot of our community is going to be really excited 
by this I'm mask. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it also works really well. I mean, I always tell people if you're treating hyperpigmentation, you're, you need to exfoliate and treat with a serum like our dark, dark spot serum and then to use SPF. So really excited to have this treatment product that speaks to the exfoliation step. Um, so yeah, so um, what's next is just continuing to launch like really intentional, really effective products that speak to our customers like most pressing needs. Um, so, but also just really excited to see what they have to say about this mask, what their experience is with it. Um, I'm really proud of the way our, the way, you know, the skincare community, our customers have responded to our dark spot serum. We, um, have like a thousand reviews, tons of press, you know, emails all of the time about, um, how the products work for them. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure on this mask, like, Well, add my add my yes. review to the serum because yes. I have okay. it. I love it. I I'm about to re up, and it better be in stock. <laughs> it, yeah, it's been in stock. It's been in stock. Yes. We weren't able to get six months of inventory, but we um <laughs> we did learn from that advice in the way that we could we could adopt it. So yeah. um, it is in stock, and um yeah, so really excited to put out products that that wow our audience and that really speak to their needs. Um so. This is the first launch in two years. So just kind of like riding that wave right now before we, you know, continue with with others. So now let's do a quick (laughs) lightning round. Just answer. No fear. Just answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. All right. All right. Number one, what is the first resource you can think of that has really helped you in your business? People. People. Okay. (laughs) Number two, what has been the best business book or podcast episode that you have listened to or read ever, ever? Favorite business book, favorite podcast episode. Yeah. So how would I answer that? I do believe in reading industry magazines like Beauty Independent, Business of Fashion. And so I would say staying up on those um, Mm -hmm. daily like news bits and trends has been really helpful to me. But when I read, I like to read fiction. I okay. find that to, to be so much I can more relate. I can relate. Effective. Yeah. Yes. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your morning routine? Coffee, latte, oat milk um, before my kids wake up because <laughs> I just need like a few minutes of me time, a little bit of caffeine, and yes. then I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, number four, what is a personal habit that has significantly helped you as a business owner? Mm, a personal habit has been um, being willing to try things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not risk averse. And um, like I, I'm very well researched before I take chances, but I think being willing to try things um, has been beneficial in me All like right. sort of finding where I belong and where my brand belongs. Okay, okay. And yeah. then finally, Desiree, what is your parting advice for fellow entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing a steady paycheck, worried about their business failing? What would you tell them? Oh, I hate this question because I think I'm supposed <laughs> to say don't worry, but like worry. Um, I would say, like worry, like having a steady paycheck as a former attorney is um, yes. wonderful. Don't take it for granted, but save. You you know, I, I would say save and and, and start taking te- steps in that direction. But yeah. I would say save. Save. 
because I don't think that people really hear the save part. Like they hear like what you did. Oh, I was a lawyer. And then I was this, but save and like save more than you think you need. And, and stay, I would also say, and this is like very anti, I think the current tone of things, but I would say to the extent you can work, learn and make money from someone else and do what it is you want to do. Like keep it a side hustle for as long as it can be, because I didn't do that with um, moving from law and I've, I've met people that have, and I just, I think I was so focused on like, this is the title I want. This is the lifestyle I want. You will get to the title and the lifestyle, but you will live a much more balanced life. If you do that with someone else's like salary and benefits. So um, right there. (laughs) Yeah. Make make the steps, take the steps. Don't, I would never tell anyone not to jump because I feel very grateful for every pivot and jump that I've done. But I think that, um, the current tone is like be an entrepreneur and just do it. But like learning on someone else's dime is amazing. Like it's amazing. That's (laughs) it right there. That's it right there, (laughs) y'all. So with that, where can people connect with you outside of this interview? Oh, sure. Well, I um, love Instagram. Um, So I'm there. I'm Desiree.Bredejo. My company is at Hyperskin. And um, we're online at hyperskin.com and hyperskin is at Sephora. So that's where you can find me and that's where you can find Hyper. All right, guys. So there you have it. Desiree Verdejo of Hyperskin. Talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.